Some political analysts describe the last presidential campaign as one appealing to people's fears. And today, I think it's accurate to say that there are people who are afraid. And while we may wonder if politics can address the fears of our people, I would suggest this morning, standing in this pulpit, in this sanctuary, that there's a better way. I invite you to listen this morning as I read what Isaiah, the prophet, had to say about fears, found in Isaiah chapter 35, beginning with verse 4. God speaking to the prophet. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Some days are just born ugly. That's what Steinbeck wrote in the book Travels with Charlie. If we're going to face a really bad day, one of those days born ugly, it might be helpful if we would know it early. I recently came across some help. How you can tell if it's going to be a really rotten day. One, you see 60 Minutes News Team in your office. You call suicide prevention and they put you on hold. You turn on the news and they're showing all the emergency routes out of the city. Your twin sister forgot your birthday. Your horn goes off accidentally and remains stuck as you follow a group of hell's angels on the freeway. (laughs) Your boss tells you you don't need to take off your coat. Your income tax check bounces. Or you put both contact lens in the same eye. It may be that we joke about bad days because the truth is they're, they're too familiar. Because our lives do include more than the pleasant or the happy or the satisfactory. And you notice that the sermon text for today includes God's message to those people who needed encouragement. It was a tough situation. It was near the end of what we now call the Jewish exile, when the Babylonian armies in 586 had swept down from the north and surrounded the Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. Many of the Jews were then carried off into exile into Babylon. That was a terrible pill to swallow. And while the prophet had tried to warn them before and explain what God's discipline might be like, After the fall of Jerusalem, then the prophet tried to encourage them that God would offer hope again. But the years had gone by. And as time neared, however, finally, after years and years, when God was going to bring the Jews back to their homeland, Isaiah had a message for the people that were in Babylonian captivity. Courage. The prophet told them what God had said to him. Talk to those who live in fear. Tell them to be strong. 
They don't have to be afraid because God is nearby. The next words in that text bring up images of violent revenge, of rescue, of those who've been captured and enslaved. That's just what we might expect for those, from those who are living in exile. But the, just what we were looking for changes. Because the description of this has changed when God talks about what's going to happen next. Instead of narrating the expected report about battles and all kinds of travail, instead we have a description of what it's going to be like when they're able to return to their homes and reestablish their lives. The prophet began to talk about healing and wholeness and joy and quenched thirst in a dry land. Heat and desert will give way to bounteous water and a flourishing land of produce. The Word of God speaks of more than just an end to exile and a return to home. It's a description of complete well-being in God's presence. So what about you? We're 11 months through the year. Seems awfully long at times. Perhaps, just perhaps, you need to hear God say to you today, be of good courage. I know many of us face problems. Some face financial problems, whether it's inadequate income or no income at all, or unexpected expenses or accumulated bills. Some live in fear because finances are a serious problem in their lives. Some of us face health problems. Cancer is a word that strikes sudden fear in us all. And some of us now are living with cancer. And there are many other health problems that we can struggle with, whether it's heart problems or arthritis or broken bones or respiratory ailments or Alzheimer's. Some have, are facing and some have undergone surgery. Some of us live in fear because of health problems. And some of us have relationship problems. Parents and children don't always get along. Sometimes Married partners are estranged, and relationships with other relatives or co-workers or neighbors or even church members can become strained. Some people live in fear because of relationship problems. And some of the rest of us worry about these problems, even if we're not facing them right now. We live in fear that we will. Today, after 19 years a faithful ministry as our senior minister, Reverend Greg will be retiring the first week in January. We're caught in a swirl of emotions. Grief at the close of his ministry. Confusion about what this process of search committee and interim minister and call of a new minister is all about. Fear of the changes we may have to make in the days ahead. So yeah, I think we do need to hear God's word today. We need to hear what he said to the prophet and to the people of Israel. We need to hear what is being said to us. And notice, when God speaks here, it is a word of hope. Hope is important for us, very important. I read about a school system in a large city that had developed a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork during hospital stays. Makes Good sense, doesn't it? One day, a teacher was assigned to the program, 
and she received a routine call asking her to go visit a particular boy who was in the local hospital. She took his name, name of the hospital, and got his room number. And then she called and talked briefly on the telephone to his regular teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in class right now, the teacher explained. It would be helpful if you could get him to understand them so that he won't fall too far behind. So the teacher, hospital teacher, went to the hospital that afternoon to see the boy. But what no one had told her was that he had been badly burned and he was in excruciating pain. Just to look at him upset her. And she stammered a bit as she explained to him, I've been sent from school to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left after her lesson, she felt horrible. She was sure she had accomplished very little. And so the next morning, she, when she received a call from the boy's nurse saying, what did you do to that boy? She quickly began to, to apologize, thinking she must have done something wrong. Oh, no. The nurse interrupted. No, you don't know what I mean. We had been worried that he might not work, might not make it. He wasn't even trying. But yesterday, his attitude changed. He's fighting now. He's responding to treatment. It's as if he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the little boy himself explained it to the hospital teacher. He said, I had given up. But he changed his mind because he said they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? It's amazing what small things can bring hope to us. And yet, God would not send a message of courage to us if there were no hope. We have hope. We have hope because God will help us. Doing some reading in history, I found that back in 1865, William Tecumseh Sherman sent a letter to Ulysses S. Grant. And in the letter, he said, I knew wherever I was that you thought of me. And if I got into a tight place, you would come if alive. Now, that's a strong affirmation of hope because he knew he could depend on the help of a friend. So listen again with me, if you will, to what the prophet was told to say. Talk to those who live in fear. Tell them to be strong. They don't have to be afraid because God is nearby. We have hope this morning because God is nearby and can be counted on. Now, our lives can be hard at times. So what's our best response? Fear? The prophet says no. The prophet says courage is our best response. Somewhere across the years in, our, in one of the various art museums that I've toured as we've traveled, I saw a picture hanging on the wall of an old burned out mountain shack. All that remained was the chimney and some blackened charred remains, all that was left of the family's possessions. In front of this destroyed home, stood an old grandfather-looking man dressed only in his underwear beside a small boy clutching a pair of patched overalls. It was evident the boy was crying, and below the frame, the artist's title offered the words of the old man, Hush, child, God ain't dead. 
what was true beside that burned out home is true for our lives as well today. God ain't dead. It is God who says to us, be of good courage. It is God who is with us. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, we are grateful that you are with us, that you care about us, that you sustain us, that you refresh us and keep us going. Oh, God, we'll place our trust in you and watch as you watch over all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.